Oh, so many things. So difficult to decide where to start. Um, that uh, song, I want to want to talk about it. I I uh, I, I think it it was a good song, and I want to appreciate like and and thank Jeremy for picking it. Um, there are a couple lines that jumped out at me as he was singing, right? Um, Citizen of heaven by grace and grace alone, right? Son of God by grace and grace alone. Um, like um, a head full of rocks and a heart full of stone. I love that because that's like my life story. <laughs> um, <it's laughs> Thank you for the amen. Um, and and as I as I stand up um, as I stand up to talk to you all this morning. Um, um, I, I want to share something I read last night. I read uh, a friend of mine um, um, wrote, uh, there are three kinds of churches that will meet tomorrow morning. There will be folks who will operate as though the world is exactly the same way it always was. There will be folks who rage and preach to the choir. And there are folks who will talk about Jesus. And they'll preach the gospel, right? That's what I plan on doing. Um, and that's, that's the essence of what we're talking about, right? Um, a head full of rocks and a heart full of stone. Every, 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 every one of us lives in that spot like where by nature we rebel against God and we run away from him. And we say, this is what I want. This is what's right for me. I don't care what anybody else says, where we hide our sins so no one will see it and we pretend it's okay, where we do all sorts of things. But at the end of the day, like what makes us um, citizens of heaven, what makes us children of God is not how awesome we are. It's not how much better I am than Hannah. It's the fact that Jesus died for me, that Jesus took punishment for my sins on the cross, and that I am saved from my own miserable self by that, right? Not because I deserved it, not because I earned it, not because I'm that handsome and awesome, um, but because God loves me even when I didn't love him. Everybody with me? This is the core of who we are. And it will always be what we're going to discuss, as long as I'm here. Um, we're in Nehemiah. I picked this sermon topic in January. It is one of my rules. I said it last week. One of my rules is, if I schedule sermons, I do not change them. Everybody with me? So, picked it in January. Um, the story so far, um, we're looking at Nehemiah, which is the story of uh, a construction project gone haywire. Um, and, and, um, the difficulty that surrounded it, uh, the city of Jerusalem having been sacked, a uh, hundred plus years later by the Babylonians, um, um, was being repopulated by the Jewish people as they were returning f- from being taken captive by the Babylonians, right? So this is the quick version of history. The Jews are coming back and the city is ruined. They start rebuilding it. And then folks start raiding the city, and, and there are problems, and they start building a wall. And the king says, um, in response to it, well, enemies of the people say, don't let them build the wall. Tell the king, don't let them build the wall. Don't let them build the wall. They'll rebel. And the king stops the building process. And Jerusalem sits um, kind of humiliated for, for years and years, right? They're a target of raiding. They're a target of, of bad guys. They, they cry out to God over and over again for deliverance. And God delivers them through a man named Nehemiah. Nehemiah was not perfect, right? Nehemiah was flawed. Um, I was talking with a a Bible scholar recently who suggested that Nehemiah may have been a eunuch, meaning that he was surgically altered so he was no longer a man. 
for the purpose of working in the king's court, right? He wasn't allowed in the temple. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Like if he was a eunuch, he wouldn't have been allowed into the temple that he was building a wall to protect. Um, But God used this man, right? Not because Nehemiah was awesome, but because God is awesome. Um, It's not mentioned in the Bible. It's something that's pulled out of inference in history, so don't quote me on it. Um, The principle stands, though. The principle is God uses imperfect people, right? I'm here today because I am an imperfect person that is in Christ. You all are here today because you are imperfect people, too. Um, and God willing, you're in Christ, and like we're saved because of it. All right, so Nehemiah starts building the wall. The project starts. Um, we have learned about some of the enemies of God's people so far. Everybody with me? Um, and God's enemies, like the enemies of God's people, start working in the process of, of overthrowing the project. In chapter 3, we looked at all of the work that was done and who did it, um, and we discussed some of the principles in that. This week, we start up in chapter 4, because it's after chapter 3, and the enemies of God's people have gathered up. They've realized they cannot act against the Jews, like against the Jewish people. They cannot act against them because the king will prevent it, right? It is not legal for them to go in and just kill all the workers, right? And so they're kind of stuck. They're not going to convince the king otherwise, because the king who previously stopped it, Nehemiah was like his best friend and talked him into it. Um, and so now they are building, and the bad guys can't stop it. Um, so one to three here. Now when Sanballat, who is sort of the most prominent of the bad guys, of the enemies of God's people, the bad guys works too. Everybody understands that, right? Um, I, it's what I say in my head every time I look through my notes. Um, heard, that, heard that we were rebuilding the wall. He was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria. Now we're going to hit pause here before we jump a little further into what he actually says. Watch this. This guy, he sees it and he gets angry, right? He gets angry because these guys are doing something that um, he doesn't want to happen. And his response is, like, he gets mad. Any of y'all ever get mad because folks do something you don't want them to do? You know? Um, Any of y'all ever get mad because, you know, the neighbor is, you know, is obnoxious and you want to be mad at them? Like, he gets mad, and he jeers, he makes fun of, he starts mocking um, God's people. And he said in the presence of his brothers, which means that he gathered up the nobles, and um, he gathers up uh, the army. So he has a big gathering, and he stands up, and he makes a speech. And in his speech, he says, what are these feeble Jews doing? Now, the word feeble there, um, in the word he's using, like, uh, it, if you look at where it, how it's used elsewhere in the Bible, it has the connotation of, like, a wilting plant. I mean, maybe you could probably go to my lawn and look at anything that isn't a weed right now because it's so hot and it, it's not raining. All of my, like, nice plants, like both of them, are, are like, sort of hanging and drooping and they're wilting and they look gross and pathetic, right? Like, that's sort of the idea here. These people are, like, they're like withering plants, he, he's, you know, he's, he's mocking them, right? These, these, you know, miserable, these miserable Jewish people, these feeble, these wilting people, what do they think they're doing? Um, will they restore it for themselves? Meaning, like, so part of the assumption here is, do they actually think they're going to be able to do this? Do they actually think they're going to be able to accomplish anything? Don't they know they're wasting their time? Um, he goes on. Uh, will they sacrifice? Now, the implied thing here is, 
If they sacrifice to God, is God going to make their walls like grow out of the ground? Everyone knows that ain't going to happen, right? And he's kind of making fun of them, right? I mean, if I could, you know, if I could sacrifice a, an animal and have a, have a mansion built for me, I might do it, right? Like, but it doesn't happen very often. And these guys, Sam Ballot, knows it ain't going to happen. And he's making fun of them. He's actually making fun of God, too, by the way. Um, will they sacrifice and get a wall when they sacrifice? Will they finish it up in a day? <laughs> Do they really think they're going to get it done fast enough for it to matter? Right? Um, again, he's mocking them. Right? He asks five questions. All of them are mocking. Um, will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? Meaning their walls are destroyed. Their walls are scattered. Um, when we read Nehemiah's like survey of the city, he actually couldn't go all the way around because the walls were so destroyed, he couldn't bring his like donkey over them. He was <laughs> like, oh, can't go this way. Um, half the city is in that valley, like collapsed. And he says, are they even, do they think they're going to be able to go in all that rubble and make a wall out of that mess? Um, and burn ones at that. Now watch this. Um, the assumption for, for, for someone of this culture would be that burned stones were cursed. The fact that God had allowed the city to be sacked and that the walls had been burned was implied that, like, like the stones are cursed. So they, like, think they're going to build out of the wreckage of what's there, and they're going to build, like, out of that wreckage, um, like, even with cursed stones. What are they, what are they thinking? Um, he is he's mocking God's people, and he's mocking their project. And he's doing it with all of these folks around. And the reason he's doing this, now watch this. Um, I read recently where a fellow I know um, said, uh, the best way to respond to an idea you don't like isn't to argue with it, it's to ridicule it, right? It's better to ridicule an idea because then nobody takes it seriously, right? And it disheartens the person making the argument and it makes them feel silly. And that's what Sam Ballot's doing here. He says, listen... Um, we're not going to argue with whether or not they can build, they should build it because they're going to do it anyway. Let's make fun of them. And in making fun of them, we'll dishearten them, and everybody else will be heartened against them. He's actually preparing a military action in the future because he's getting his soldiers riled up, and he's starting a propaganda war. He's getting the folks to gripe about the Jewish people. He's building it up. He's all right, go, go out there and spread the word. Um, and, and, like, this is an assault by somebody who can't assault with a sword right now. Verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him. He's another one of these rulers. They had gathered up and they were discussing this. And it's a plan they decided on. Um, And Tobiah jumps in and says, yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Now, I I don't, I don't, um, I'm not as much of a country person. Have you all seen foxes? Are foxes big? Are foxes strong? No, foxes are kind of little critters, right? And their general strategy for dealing with the world is to run away, right? It was my strategy for every fight I was in when I was a kid. <laughs> um, try to knock down the other guy so they get him. Um, um, so this weak animal who runs away from everything is going to come along and knock down their wall um, because the wall is worthless. Now, archaeology has shown us that this wall was between eight and nine feet thick. Um, and, you know, like when you go around it, it was between eight and nine feet thick. Um, the thickest wall in my house is, I don't know, what do you say, a foot? Brooke, you know about construction. It's about a foot. 
Did Fox knock over my house? Parts of it. I don't know. <laughs> no, we love the house. Don't get me wrong. I'm sorry. It was just, I say stuff just to make people laugh. I'm a huge jerk. Um, he says, listen, it's such a weak wall that this tiny little animal is going to brush up against it and the whole thing's going to fall over. He's mocking them. Um, also by saying, well, look, what they're doing is a waste of time because when our army shows up, we're going to run it over. A fox could knock it down. We're going to decimate it. Um, and so now what we have is we have God's people who have been told a, a series of things. They've been mocked. Their work has been ridiculed. It has been assumed that they will never accomplish anything, right? The words are out there. And Nehemiah gets word of it. And Nehemiah responds by going on Facebook and complaining back. He actually invented it for that purpose. Is that it? No. Gets a lawyer, contacts the king. I did it either, right? What Nehemiah does in response, he says, he prays. He says, hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we build the wall. Or so we so he finishes praying and he turns around and he says, So we built the wall and the wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Um, what he, what he basically says here is he gathers up the folks and he prays. He says, all right, God, you're on our side. Do our talking for us. We're going to go do our wall, right? God, you've got our backs. We trust you. We're going to do the work. This is actually the response that Nehemiah offers every single time he faces a challenge. He prays. He says, God, I trust you. You're in control. Let's go do our work. God, I trust you. You're going to take care of us. Let's go do our work. Um, they're mocking us. God, they're mocking us. Don't blot out their sin. That means pay attention to what they're doing. Don't ignore it. When he says, like, let them be put up for plunder, he's basically saying, hey, what happened to us when we ticked you off? Go deal with them, right? Your job, not mine. And the people had a heart or a mind for their work, a heart for their work, and so they did their job. They just went back and worked. So what happens is um, this propaganda campaign is kind of a failure because the people gather up and they're like, wait a minute, we belong to God. Let's just go build our wall. And they built it to half its height, meaning it's like kind of half done, right? And so they go and they do their job. Their hearts are on it. They love the work. They love God. They're, they have pride in the restoration of their city, and they do their job. We go on. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that the repairing of the walls was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, meaning the holes in the wall were being repaired. Um, so these guys get word of it, and we talked about this the second week. There are spies in the city who are going back and reporting, right? And these are, by the way, the spies who are reporting are the guys who are standing in the midst of the people, not working and complaining about it, right? And like at night, they're going over to the enemy and saying, hey, this is what they're doing, you know, and... and Fact of the matter is, they were folks who weren't on the side of the Jewish people. They're spies, they're enemies, and they're not helping. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. So they begin to hatch a plan to raid the city, right? Now, this would not have been a legal action. Everybody got it? 
Um, but they might do it anyway, right? And they might get away with it anyway. Um, because the ancient world is a very confusing and big place without telephones. And so, like, what the Persian king doesn't know when they're doing it, the Persian king may not intercede about. Or they could have folks who are, you know, raiders do the job um, or what have you. I mean, like, anything can happen. And so they say, well, look, we got to stop this. What are we going to do to stop it? And they start coming up with a plan. And Nehemiah responds by going on Facebook and complaining to the king about how they're, these mean people are messing with us. Right? No. And we prayed to our God and set our guard as a protection against them day and night. So they respond to this threat by saying, which part of the confusion here is, a, is, more, is more propaganda, right? More rumors. And the people hear about it and they sit down and they say, all right, God, you're on our side. You're taking care of us. But now we're going to like have guards. <laughs> and so they set out guards to kind of protect the city and they get back to work. Um, in Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near, the, near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. Um, so... All of this threat of violence and some of the mockery suddenly starts taking effect. And folks gather up and they're like, gosh, this is a lot of work. Maybe they're right. Maybe we're wasting our time. Maybe we should kind of give this up. Maybe, you know, if we keep doing this, we're going to get killed. Maybe if we keep doing this, folks are, you know, like, like it begins to wear on them, right? And, and I think it's natural. I mean, you use discouraging words over and over again. And, and there are guards out, but they look at the guards and they think, is that guy going to protect me? Um, and they begin to wonder, well, is God really in charge? Is God really going to take care of me? And then the Jews from all around come in and they say, you must return to us. Part of what is going on there, and it's a little tough for the translation and the phrasing is incredibly weird. Every commentary I read said, this is tough. The phrasing is funny and the, the meaning is a little obscure. Um, the idea is that they came in and they said over and over and over again to everyone, guys, there's an army outside our country. They are preparing and like we're in trouble. Can you, can you help fight with us? Right? Like they, and the fear is spreading and the people are discouraged and there is um, a disheartening that takes place. Um, and in the response, like Nehemiah turns around and he responds, he says, okay, guys, if we are discouraged, like, in the lowest parts, so in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I station the people by their clans. The word clans, by the way, basically means like families, but like the word itself like, like suggests in groups of a thousand, right? Elsewhere where it's used in the Bible, it's used to refer to military units that were a thousand people, like a legion is basically what that is. Um, so um, by family, with their swords their spears and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Um, so Nehemiah gathers up soldiers. He arms all of them. And he says, folks, we're building a wall to protect ourselves. Right? Are we going to stop building? Or are we going to be prepared and fight? And so he arms the people and he says, be prepared 
to defend yourselves. This is what you need to do. And, and um, then he turns around and he says, don't forget, God's on our side. God's on our side. God's on our side. God's on our side. We're okay. Protect your family. Do your work. Um, when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half my servants worked on construction and half held their spears, shields, bows, and a coat of mail. Um, and you hit pause there real quick. Nehemiah says, my immediate workers carried spears and shields, right? Can you use a shield when you have a bow? I don't shoot bows and arrows. Uh, where's, do you, can you hold stuff while you, shoot a, while you shoot a bow, Daniel? You're the only person I know who does that. Well, no, I could ask, uh, I could ask my, my bodyguard back there, Mr. O'Neill. Hold a shield while you're shooting? Not effectively. You wear chainmail. When you carry a spear, you carry a shield, right? And so, like, basically he acknowledges, we prepared an army. And our army set up around the walls, and we were ready, and we worked. Um, and the leaders who stood behind the whole house of Judah, um, who were building the wall. So the leaders gathered up, and they, like, watched. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and the other held, held his weapon with the other and held his weapon with the other. So like guys who were working, like worked with a sword in their hand. Um, and each of the builders had his sword strapped to his side while he built. So while everyone worked, um, they had a sword attached to them, right? They carried their burdens. They had a sword. Um, and... The man who sounded the trumpets was beside me, and I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great, widely spread, and we are separated on the wall, far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. He says, listen, um, we got a guy with a trumpet. If we get attacked, go to wherever the horn is. It'll be like a big alarm beeping on your wrist in the middle of a quiet room, and everybody will know, based on that alarm, <laughs> it is noon, or there's somebody attacking, right? And so he says, listen, be prepared, and if an attack comes, come help us, right? So they figure out how to work together. We're going to support each other, guys, right? Um, and then he reminds them, it's not just us fighting. We're on God's side, okay? Do your work. So we labored at the work. And half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. And I also said to the people at the time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So there were people who lived outside of the city who were leaving and coming back. And he says, all right, nobody leaves anymore. You're going to work here. Why did they do that? Well, camping outside or around the city they would be a good guard, right, because you'd wake up. But the other thing that comes with that is if people were coming and going, if, you know, Sanballat and his guys were to mix bad, you know, mix soldiers in, they could just walk right into the city and fight. And he says, all right, we're not going to do that. We're all going to stay together. We're all going to defend the city. We're all going to work, and this is what we're going to do. Um, so neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes and each kept our weapon at our right hand. They probably smelled pretty bad after a little while. Um, it's probably not the point that they never change clothes. The point is they were always prepared to respond. They never took time where they were just at rest. They just did their work and were constantly prepared. They had their heart ready. Um, you know what, as I'm saying it, I'm going to say it out loud real quick. I'm reminded of uh, the, the ten virgins and their lamps. You guys know that story? Jesus tells it. Um, he says, listen, 
the bridegroom will show up and he's going to collect up his brides. And some of these gals who are waiting to be married didn't have enough oil for their lamps. And so like their lamps went out and they had to go get oil and the groom came. And while they weren't ready, um, he just took and married the ones who had their, their lamps lit, right? And the, the point of the story is be ready like, you know, God will call you to account whenever he calls you to account. Be ready. Be ready. Don't fall asleep. Don't quit working. Just be ready, right? Um, and we are we're to be ready um, to give account for what we believe. We're to be ready when Jesus comes and we answer to him and we say, you know, I'm covered by the blood of the land. I'm forgiven. You know, Jesus died for me. I followed him. I loved my neighbor. I served him. I spread the gospel. I did these things like, but I'm saved by Jesus and we're ready. Um, Part of what Nehemiah learned in his time of difficulty was that there was no time to be asleep, right? Always had to work and always had to be ready. Um, So what do we do with this? Um, It's a... It's a passage about building and dealing with conflict that happens around you. Um, and there's a lot to be talked about, I guess. Um, and I want you to listen carefully to what I say because I don't want to be misunderstood. Everybody with me? I know I'm boring. I know you're falling asleep and it's late and it's warm and everything else. But, but please don't misunderstand me, okay? Um, when folks step up and they say God's people are wasting their time, Nehemiah responds with prayer. And then he gets back to doing his job. He doesn't rant. He doesn't rave. He doesn't cry about the sky falling. He doesn't say, oh, it's the end of the world. He prays. He trusts God. And he does his job. Um, I think there's something to learn there, ain't there? When Jesus tells us to pray, he says, listen, Let's modify what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah said, pay attention to their sins. Jesus said, listen, when folks persecute you, pray for them. When folks call you names, pray for them. When folks um, curse you, serve them and pray for them. Love the people who mistreat you. Love the folks that you don't like. Love the folks that don't like you. Um, Paul extends it and says, be blameless. Jesus said, they will know you are my people by your love for one another, right? Right. I have read a lot of nasty stuff in the last few days. Anybody else? And I have read a lot of nasty stuff being said by folks who say they're Christians, and I've read a lot of nasty folks who, you know, like things written by folks who don't particularly care for Christians, right? Um, I've seen people panic and say the sky is falling. It's the end of the world. Um, If you've read the news, you know, you know, things, the Supreme Court made this big decision, Right? And, and it's a decision that, you know, maybe, you know, church doesn't really like that much, right? We got some clear teachings on the topic of, of sexuality. Like it, and it's not just like that. It's everything, right? Um, our response as God's people, pay attention. Our response as God's people is to pray and to do our jobs, right? We're not called to hate people. We're not called to attack people. We're not called to fight people. We're not called to do any of that stuff. We're, we're called to pray, to love, our, you know, love other folks, right? Love folks who don't like us very much, to demonstrate what Jesus is like, and to do our jobs. 
What is our jobs? Well, we have a very clear teaching that Jesus gives us. Like at the end of his time in, on the earth, he says, go forth into all nations, right? Preaching the gospel, making disciples, baptizing in my name. What is our job? Our job is to tell people about Jesus. Our job is to grow people into mature Christians so that they know Jesus and grow in holiness. And our job is to like, like spread. I mean, this is what we're here to do, right? We're here to spread the gospel. That is our job. Um, am I saying, um, am I saying Christians shouldn't influence culture? No, I'm not. I'm saying our job is to pray for folks and to work, right? Um, we live in a world where the church has done a good job of not doing its job for years, right? We raise young people who do not, not know the scriptures. It does happen, right? Um, the best thing, I swear, the best thing in this passage is where he talks about arming the people. I read um, a commentary that says we should be ready to defend ourselves. Really? What does that mean? I'll tell you what I think it means. I think it means that, like, I should be able to explain what the Bible means. I should be able to explain why I believe in Jesus. I should be able to explain why I have hope. I should be able to explain, like, the truth. That's what I should be able to explain, right? If I'm going to be armed, I'm going to be armed with with God's word. I'm going to be armed with the spirit. I'm going to be armed with righteousness. What does that mean? That means I strive to be right before God and blameless. I'm going to be armed like um, the helmet of salvation. That's another one Paul calls us to, meaning like the knowledge that I'm saved by Jesus and Jesus alone is what protects like my head, right? Um, We don't go out and dump anger on folks. We love them. We don't go out and fight the people who are wrecking our country. Not our job. Our job is to love people. Our job is to love people and 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 to to tell them about Jesus who loved them so much he died for them. That's our job, folks. Um, Does that make sense? Um, The sky isn't falling. God's still in control. Um, I trust that. I trust that I'm still saved by grace in Jesus. I, I trust that. I trust that God's desire is to save other folks, right? I trust that every one of us, given the opportunity to go to the full extent of our sin, will act like folks with rocks in our heads and in our hearts. Ain't it the truth? Anybody else done that? That's absolutely it. Pray, pray, pray. Serve, serve, serve. I guess the last thing I would point out... Um, and I'll, I'll let y'all go, um, is uh, James. James tells us some interesting things about what it means to be religious. He says, bridle your tongue, right? I don't know anything about bridles. What do you use them for? What? To control horses. Ain't that the truth, though? So if you're going to bridle your tongue, you control it. You speak in a way that glorifies God and that spreads the gospel. Jesus died for me, Right? Not so that I would be able to like behave a certain way, but so I could be like Jesus and so I could be reconciled with God. That's what we're here for. If you are not a person who is standing in a place where that is your primary driver, you have lost focus. I don't say that to hurt you. I don't say that to be mean. I'm not trying to be a big jerk or offensive. I, I really try hard not to do those sorts of things. 
Um, I really do because I love you all deeply. But like our job is to serve Jesus and to follow him and to grow to be like him and to be prepared to share his word and defend what we believe with our words. We are to know the gospel and to love, right? Um, the sky ain't fallen. God is still in control. Paul, I believe it was Paul, wrote that we're sojourners, right? We're passing through this world. It is not our home. We are destined for heaven. And our job is to take as many people with us as we can, right? And to be as close to God as we can be when we get there. Um, if you are not a person who is living this out and you want to find ways to like make disciples or grow spiritually, talk to me. And I will help plug you in or I will help you learn how to make disciples, right? But that's our job. Make disciples, spread the word, glorify God, love our neighbors, right? Religion that is pure and acceptable to God is taking care of widows and orphans, loving the people who are helpless and protecting them and taking care of them, sharing the gospel, being controlled in our speech. Love the folks around you, folks. That's our job. Not to make the culture a certain way, not to do this, not to do that, not to vote certain people into office, not any of that other silliness. Our job is to be about Jesus. Remain in focus. And take care of each other. I guess that's the last thing, I suppose. There are folks around you who need support, right? And I don't mean they need support like in the terms of like we need to go and fight their battles for them. There are folks around us who struggle with sin. Am I the only one who does that, by the way? I'll openly admit it. I am awful. Um, There are a couple people in my life I talk to, and I say, this is where I'm struggling. And they guide me, and they give me spiritual counsel, right? If you struggle, that's what you need. That's what we're here for. When the alarm sounds and the trumpet is blown, we don't show up with swords. We show up with support for our brothers and sisters. We pray with them. We love them. And we help them overcome their own sin. Let's pray, and my challenge for you today is to go out and do your job. Pray every day. Pray constantly. Look to God constantly. Recognize that prayer is what makes this possible, and do your job. Spread the gospel. Be like Jesus. Love folks. Like, this is our job, people. We're salt and light in the world. We're what makes it bright, and we're what makes it taste good. Go be tasty. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with